This show contains discussions of violence, murder, abuse, suicide, some use of language, and other things that some people may find offensive. We don't recommend Crime Cafe for children under the age of 14. Listener discretion is advised. Never let a day go by that you don't tell your loved ones that you love them. Always make sure you do that. Now, when children pass away, they don't have those stories. Just know that us as funeral directors, we may seem like cold-hearted people, but the children, the children hit us hard. People who are allergic to latex when you're alive are not allergic to latex when you die. Because it's September 11th, I don't fear death today. Because so many people lost their lives today, I went out with my family and I celebrated my family. I celebrated us being alive. Today, I did not have a fear of dying. Welcome or welcome back to this episode of Crime Cafe Podcast. I'm Amber. I'm Coral. And for today's episode, we wanted to bring you one of the most interesting people we've ever had the pleasure of talking with. Candace L., otherwise known as Death Becomes Her, has taken TikTok by storm. She has over 347,000 TikTok followers and over 5 million video likes to date. Candace is a funeral director in Florida, and she is truly a Jill of all trades when it comes to the death industry. Candace tells us what it takes to be a funeral director, how being a female funeral director is not only empowering, it's making a true difference in the industry. She tells us what it looks like to take care of families and their deceased loved ones, and she gives us an insight into why she thinks people are afraid of death and are scared of their deceased loved ones. Stay tuned until the end of the show to find out where you can find Candace on social media and to hear mine and Amber's final thoughts. It's our pleasure to introduce you to Death Becomes Her. To start, I first asked Candace what her exact job title is and what are some of the duties she regularly performs. So I am a licensed funeral director slash embalmer. Um, I actually do a lot of different jobs and duties around the funeral home. Um, my funeral home is a little bit different than most of um, some of the other ones. We actually are a very small funeral home. And when I mean small, I mean we have like three employees. Um, so I do almost anything and everything in the funeral home. I meet with families to help discuss arrangements, um, to get services, funeral dates in line and order. Um, I also do embalming. I can do removals. I pretty much do it all. It, it is a very demanding job. I mean, I, I've been in, I've been around the business my entire life. I grew up in the funeral home. So Candace goes on to tell us how demanding this job can be and the kind of impact it has on her personal life. I miss a lot of my family's life because the deaths don't wait. You know, I if someone dies, I if I have to go out and pick somebody up, then I then I have to leave what I'm doing. And that's why I have an amazing partner and he helps out 
so much. <laughs> Corey asked Candace if her funeral home has three employees, including her or not including her, and this is what she had to say. Three, including me. <laughs> so I have a manager because um, normally when you have a funeral home, it's good to have somebody who's outside of doing services and that to help you look at a different angle. So I have a manager. He and I are both on the same level. We are equals. Um, and then I have, I don't know if you've seen some of my TikToks, I have Gina. Right now, she's just kind of like a funeral assistant. Um, but she is getting her license, and she will become an intern um, next January, and she'll come, and she'll actually be doing a little bit more as well. Um, she does a lot of removals for us and a lot of cleaning, and she helps out on funeral services. It is a a rough job, and, and mentally, I I personally do not recommend this field to people because especially if you – have any kind of um, depression or things like that, because it is notoriously just, I mean, there was one case where I came home and I cried for three days because of just the circumstances surrounding the case and what my, it like matched the child matched up with my life at the time. So it was, there have been times where I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to quit, but I, I avoided trying to work in the field for so long that the field pulled me to it. So I know I have to be in this field for at least the next 10 or 15 years. Something's telling me to be here. So, Corey asked Candace what kind of schooling is required for her field. Let's face it, funeral home employees wear many hats. We were curious to know what it takes to become a funeral director. Well, it actually varies from state to state. In Florida, um, you have to have a two-year degree. Then after you go to school for two years, then you take two national boards, which is a science national boards and an arts national boards. And those are like registered nurses test. I mean, we have to know pathology, microbiology, anatomy. We have to know what causes diseases because when the person comes into our care, we have to know, okay, why, why is this happening during embalming? Oh, okay, well, maybe they had this and this. So um, you have to know so much more than you, someone would think a funeral director would have to know. So then you have to take those two tests here in Florida, and then you move to your year of internship, paid internship. It is not um, any, you know, you get you get paid. It's not wow. a good amount, but you do get paid on your internship. I, I mean, my pay for his internship, I think, was $11.50. I mean, it was crappy. What's <laughs> the Right. And you do the most Especially crappiest, yes, and the most crappy, I mean, they give you the most crappiest jobs, too. Um, right. So you do the internship for a year, and then um, you do a state law test here in Florida. Now, I know some states require a bachelor's degree um, instead of an associate's. So it does vary from state to state, so you definitely got to check that out. Now, there is a school in Georgia, in Atlanta, called Gupton Jones. Um, it is a very, my father actually graduated from that college. So if anybody is in Georgia and you need a college, I recommend Gupton Jones. <laughs>
Most people think we just kind of walked in off the street and was like, oh, we, and this is going to sound kind of weird. We, we want to play with dead people. No, yeah. no, no. We have to go through years of training. I mean, it's, it is a very, it's almost like being a nurse. Instead of the four years that you have to go to school, you go to school for two. I mean, my father has been in the business over 40 years, because I guess I'm 41. So he's been in the business probably 45 years. And I called him with something yesterday, and he was like, well, I've actually never had that happen, but okay. You know, I'll call him with something. I was like, first thing for me, and he'll call, and I'll and we'll discuss it, and he'll like, well, you know, and he'll go into this story about how something happened with him. And, and yeah, old funeral directors will do that. Of course, one of the burning questions everyone wants to ask, but never actually asks, is how do you even get in to the funeral business? Oh, my father, 100%. Um, I actually grew up on top of a funeral home. Um, my parents divorced when I was two years old, and my dad didn't have a place to live. And the funeral home he was working for had an apartment. And they were like, you can come live here with your daughter and do night calls. So I was in the car going on removals. I was before OSHA and um, all that other kind of good stuff. I was sitting on the other embalming table while my dad was embalming on the other. Um, so my dad really got me in the field. He He's the one, and, and like I said before, I, I avoided it so long that I actually went into the opposite. See, I went into the medical field and became a medical assistant for four years. And I was just like, I got to stay away from the funeral business. It's so depressing. I just can't do it. No, my mental state. But when something inside of you tells you that you have to be there, you have to go. And that's, and it just kept dragging me in. From a funeral director's perspective, we wanted to know if it was weird that people are actually interested in death. Oh, not at all. And I think because it's a it's a true unknown. You know, these have the you have these people that um, you know, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them. I'm doing air quotes that die and then come back. And I'm not doing air quotes because they fake death. No, they, they die and they bring them back. And then they say that they see all these things and everybody sees something different. So I think it is such a huge unknown that that's why so many people are fascinated with it. We got really, really personal with Candace. We asked her, is death something that you're personally afraid of? Because after all, funeral directors are people. Oh, uh, you know, I looked at that question and I was like, that is a really good question. Yes, there. And you know what? On a day like today, because it's September 11th, I don't fear death today. Because so many people lost their lives today. I went out with my family and I celebrated my family. I celebrated us being alive. Today, I did not have a fear of dying because something tragic happened so many, it happened 20 years ago that my mind was more on celebrating life at this point in time and that we, that we are where we are 20 years later. And that's just, 
Today, no. Tomorrow might be a completely different story. It might, I might see something on the TV that'll be like, oh my, or walking down the road or something. But yeah, every day is a different day. Well, you know what's going to happen in life. I mean, you, let, you wake up, you breathe, you eat, you go to the bathroom, you take a shower, you get dressed, you go out, you have fun with friends. I mean, you know, you know what your life, you know life. You know, you know, waking up and breathing. But when you stop that and you're like, no one really ever knows what has happened after you take that last breath. You have people that might have been there, but you just don't know. And that's that I think will always be the case. We asked Candace if funeral directors really have days off. Pretty much on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We were in the middle of a water park today, and I'm answering phone calls. Um, I mean, my, my five-year-old knows that, you know, like, oh, mommy's on the phone. I need, to, I need to be quiet for just a few minutes while she's on the phone so she can talk to whoever she's talking to. I mean, it's kind of the norm around here. Um, and, and my kid, my poor little five-year-old little boy is just like, oh, mom's on the phone again. <laughs> but he doesn't, but the, poor th- but the poor thing doesn't know, you know, and, and I am, I am taken away a lot. And that's, and that's, it's the sad part, but it's also a little bit good because I'm, I feel I'm helping people and that, and that helps me sleep at night too. Candace goes on to tell us how people usually view funeral homes and funerals themselves. And that's the thing that most people don't realize is if you have a good experience with a funeral director or a funeral home, then you don't look at people like myself or funeral homes in a bad way. But if you had that one bad experience that, I mean, we as funeral directors, we get one shot. We don't get to do like on movies. Okay, cut, reset, let's do this. We don't get to do that. We get one shot to do this as perfect as the family thinks it needs to be. And if it doesn't, you've ruined a return customer. I know that sounds morbid and bad, but you want, because you get to know these families, you know, mm-hmm. and like as they walk out the door, I'm like, hey, please don't take it personally, but I hope I don't see you for a very long time. You know, because I don't, I don't want to see you in my office. It's not a place people want to be. We get so excited when Candace started telling us about the impact women have in this field. Well, and you, you know, women funeral directors are taking over the industry. We, and I, I, this is my personal opinion, nothing to male funeral directors out there because there are some that are very, very compassionate, but women funeral directors, they have an eye for detail. Um, male funeral, and, it, and you can always tell a male funeral director from just a male in general because a male funeral director will notice little things. Like he will notice your hair's out of place. He will notice your button's not buttoned right. He will notice that there's a spot on the car where there shouldn't be. Um, no offense right. to my husband, but my husband wouldn't notice that then, not that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's just because they have more of an eye for detail. And those women funeral directors, where women already have that eye. They're, they are, they have those thousand tabs open uh, in their mind and they're going a hundred miles an hour. So women personally, I think 
will make better funeral directors as long as they can keep their compassion in the industry. When I have a new driver driving up to deliver our caskets, because we get them from a manufacturer, when we have a new driver driving up and I pop out of the back and he's like, oh, you're going to help? I'm like, man, can I just get my other female in here? We'll probably do it faster and better than you and I together. So do you mind if we do that? (laughs) He's like, what? Huh? <laughs> you got to learn, man. You can't be sexist in this business. You will come to funeral homes that will have nothing but women, and you say something like that, and that you will get the fire slapped out of you. Honey, we can carry you to your grave. Don't even ask us about weight, all right? <laughs> Candace expressed what it's like when people find out that you're a funeral director. They're like, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm. I'm a funeral director, and like, and they kind of do a double take. They're like, I'm sorry, what? I'm a funeral director. You mean you're not for dead people? Yes. I help families say goodbye to their loved ones, yes. And, you know, you have to kind of direct them because they are, some people don't have any tact. I mean, they just will, like, spit out the first thing that pops in their head. And so you have to be like, yeah, but then like this, not like this, you know, so, and when I don't want to talk about my work, well, like my husband and I will go to a party and we'll know a few people, but when people will come up and ask, um, like, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a housewife. Yeah, I'm a housewife. Oh, okay. And then they'll they'll go around and they'll start talking to other people and then they'll start, they'll talk to the host of the party, you know, like, oh yeah, we met this and this person is in Candace. I'm like, Oh, did you talk to her about her job? I'm like, Well, she's she's a housewife. Why why would I do that? Oh, she's a housewife tonight? Oh, okay. Okay. Nope. Nope. We're good. No, we're good. Like, and the hosts know if somebody, if I say housewife, I've I've had a rough week and I don't want to talk about my job. (laughs) Jokes aside, though it is an extremely difficult job and like most people, Candace has seen her fair share of horrible and traumatic deaths. The worst of them would happen to be children. Children just children. I mean, you know, you, you feel bad for families when they have their loved ones come in and, you know, the, the person is 60, 60 is young. Yes. You know, seventies, eighties, nineties, and you're emotional because it's your loved one. But, and, and again, this is going to make me sound so bad, but they've lived their life. You know, I, I would have loved to talk to that person before they died and hear, heard all of their stories because they had so many stories that nobody's ever heard of, you know, tell me a story that, and that's what, when I, when I talk to people and, you know, it's the first time you've met them or, you know, you've talked to them a hundred times. The one thing I would say is go up to somebody and go, Tell me a story that you've never told anybody else. And they're like, well, that's a strange request. Why would you say that? Because when you're gone, I have that story and that story's been told. Now, when children pass away, they don't have those stories. They don't have that life, you know, and those are the most 
emotional for me because I sit there and as a mom, I want to cry with those parents. Uh, I try very hard not to. I try to remove myself from the situation because they don't need a crier. They have families. They have their family. They have the public crying with them. What they need is somebody that can do their job, can help them through it, and maybe at the end, cry with them a little bit. Because just know that us as funeral directors, we may seem like cold-hearted people, but the children, the children hit us hard. Any child under the age of 18 that of no fault of their own has passed away, that to me is one of some of the most emotional cases that I have ever had to deal with. They need you. They need you. They need you to be that professional. They don't need a, a someone. Okay, can you please tell me what, what the child's middle name was? I mean, no, they. You don't need that. You know, you need. Okay, so can you tell me your child's name? All right, and then like, oh, but we called her this. Oh, that was a great. What a great nickname, you know, or or something like that. You know, it's. Yeah, those are. Those are the most emotional ones, no matter, I think, the age, really. Those are the last I got. Unfortunately, I got a a, a baby back in May. Um, she was probably six months old. Um, no, maybe four months, four to six months old. Um, and it was SIDS, and she had a twin, and... You know that that one was that one was a little bit harder um, because the parents wanted to see her again, and you know so that you have to go through the embalming of the of the infant and things like that. So it, those cases are yeah, it's just those are really hard. I asked Candace if there were any cases that she just can't forget. Oh yes. Um, I started at a funeral home when my son was about 18 months old. Um, Tragic circumstances, an 18-month-old little boy passed away. Um, No fault of the parents. You know, it's, you know, tragic, again, tragic circumstances. Um, But that one for me, because my son was the same age, that one for me will always kind of stick in my mind. I really wanted to know why someone would want to be cremated in a casket, because it's actually more common than we think. Because the family bought it. <laughs> you really only have to be cremated, in, for lack of a better word, for what people can understand, is a large cardboard refrigerator box. Uh, right. right. Kind of what it looks like. It's the least expensive option um, for families when they're doing cremation. Um, if families decide to do cremation in a casket, uh, we would prefer a wood casket um, just because wood burns and metal doesn't. It's because they have the money or the family wanted it or something like that. Normally, the funeral director tries very hard to talk them out of that unless it's a scummy funeral director or you've tried to talk them out of it and they're like, nope, this is what we want. This is, we're going to have this. We asked, what are some of the customizations you can make to a casket? 
you can do a cap panel, which is um, when you open the casket and you're looking at it, the piece that's open, you can change that. You can change the color. Um, you can change pen stripe. There's a pen, <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but there's a pen stripe on the casket. Um, you can do shading. You can do non-shading. You can do the type of handles, which are swing bar or stationary handles. Um, the lining on the inside can be different, but again, um, most funeral, most caskets are cookie cutter. Um, I have that you can do a customized casket, and it is for less than $2,000 at my funeral home. Other funeral homes, it might be more expensive than that. But there was a young kid who passed away. He was about 17 in a car accident. Um, and at the graveside, the families handed out markers, and they said, please, and it was a metal casket. They said, please come sign the casket. Um, give him your last thoughts, give him, you know, tell him you love him. And then the casket went down in the grave and all of those thoughts and feelings stayed with the casket. Um, there are actually several different ways for burial. There is something called, and it all really depends on the cemetery. Um, any Most cemeteries in Florida will require a vault. Most in Georgia will as well. Um, body can be embalmed inside of a casket and then it goes inside of a vault. Um, depending on the cemetery, you can be unembalmed and go in the casket and then the casket goes straight in the gown without the vault. And then you can go in what's called a natural burial cemetery, which is no embalming and no casket. And you're in, uh, I think you're basically, you are, I, do not quote me on this. You may or may not have clothing on. You may have a certain shroud that will biodegrade over time, and then you are placed in the ground with a burial shroud with flowers and things like that. I mean, we, we don't mind the embalming. Um, there are people who love to embalm. I You know, there's people who love to be surgeons, you know. Um, right. So there, there are people who just do strictly embalming, and a lot of people – and. So a lot of embalming is not an uncommon thing. Um, the only time our funeral home requires embalming is if you're having a public service, a public visitation. Um, if you're having a private family visitation, you know, it's just immediate family, your children and your parents, um, then we wouldn't require embalming. Um, but if you want a casket and you want the public to come in, we would just for public safety, people touching, and and things like that. I really needed to know if embalming permanently preserved people or if it's just delaying the inevitable. You know, if the embalming fluid didn't get to a certain area, that spot might decompose faster than other spots that got better embalming. If we use the circulatory system for embalming, so right. say somebody um, has blood clots or bad circulation, uh, when, we, when we push the embalming fluid through the circulatory system, um, it might not reach that because that person had poor circulation in their feet or something along those lines. Is it possible to have an allergic reaction to embalming fluid? 
I don't think so. People who are allergic to latex when you're alive are not allergic to latex when you die. We asked if caskets deteriorate, and if they do, what happens? Well, and again, it, there's so many circumstances. If you put the casket into a vault, no, the casket will not deteriorate, even if it's a wood casket. I did a disinterment from the 1960s last year, and the casket, uh, just the lid had fallen in, and the casket was still all put together, and it was a wood casket. Um, I did I did a disinterment from the 80s, and it was a metal casket, and the casket hadn't deteriorated because they were in vaults. Now, if a casket is in a grave that doesn't have a vault, yeah, the wood casket obviously would deteriorate faster than the metal caskets. Bodies deteriorate, take about 10 to 15 years. Um, I would say caskets probably take especially wood caskets would take a little bit longer than that. Metal caskets, even longer. Because I know Batesville, who is a main supplier of caskets, I think they have a 75-year uh, guarantee on their caskets. Which I think it's a little funny. But I think it's at least a 75-year guarantee on their casket. We normally like to embalm a person if, say, if a, we get... If someone passed away at 4 o'clock and we got the call at 6 o'clock, you know, because family was saying goodbye and such, we would like to embalm that evening. Ideally, that is the ideal uh, situation. Um, sometimes it is um, just things flow easier. Um, and, you know, 24 hours is the best. Uh, within, you know, 24 hours of passing, that is always the time we would like to do embalming. But sometimes it's, you know, three and four days later. And the type of embalming, there are so many types of embalming. It's just, there's one point, multi-point, um, surface, um, injection. I mean, there's just, wow, it's unbelievable. Candace told us the type of objects cremated remains can be put in. It all depends on what you're doing with the cremated remains afterwards. Um, if they're going in um, a cemetery, the cemetery might have requirements for that urn. Um, but if you're keeping them at your home or, you know, you're doing something with them, you know, without placing them at a cemetery, you can put them in whatever you want. I've put them in ice skates. Obviously, they're in a bag in the ice skates because the woman was an ice skater had a woman who, she was like one of the first people to start wear, selling the actual Tupperware. You know, the like when you pushed it down, it farted to get all the air out, you know. She was like one of the first people to start selling those. And she still had her show Tupperware. Her family bought her show Tupperware in for everybody, for her to be placed in, for every family member to have some. Uh, what there was something else a gas tank um i mean i i have done if you if you could name it I, i've done those coffee cans you know those old folgers coffee cans candace tells us in the simplest way she can how cremation actually works i'll get i'll say two things one it is basically a stone oven a brick 
oven. Mm -hmm. Um, And fire comes into it. The second thing, and that's the only way I will describe that, because I don't know how else to do that. The second thing I will say is YouTube and Google are your friend. People ask me about embalming or ask me about the cremation machine. I, that is a very, people can be triggered by that, can be very triggered by that. Um, It can be tragic depending on the person and what the person wants to know. So, and that's, and that's why I really don't like to describe that to people. Candace told us the things she doesn't like to do. Afraid? No. Won't do? Yes. I won't do two things. If we have, we've had a problem with rats in our ceiling. I won't do dead rats in a trap. I won't do that. I won't touch them. Just won't touch them. And I won't do poop. And it's not an afraid thing. It's a vomit thing. I mean, I was fine with my child. I'm fine with myself. But I just cannot. And just to be completely blunt, dead people poop is on a completely different level. I'm personally afraid of dead people. I'm not sure why. I've always been this way. And Candace sheds light on why she thinks people are so afraid of dead people. I think, again, it's the unknown. And you're used to seeing this person up, walking around, and warm. And now they are laying down. They kind of don't look like themselves. And they're not warm. So I, I think it's completely the unknown. Again, here is something Candace wants everyone to know about the death industry. Funeral directors do not mishandle, mistreat the bodies. We treat them as if they are our our loved ones. We're not, and and the reason why I'm saying that is that's the one thing that I have heard people say over and over and over again. It's like, oh, you know, oh, I bet you're getting, or oh, you're doing this, or oh, 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 I bet you're just, and you hear horror stories about funeral directors mistreating bodies. We, as a group, are not like that. We are there to help our families, and we... That's what we as funeral directors are in it for. Now, higher up in corporate funeral home world, probably not. But if they are a funeral director, more than not, more than often not, they got in the business to help people. You know, we we take care because, again, that could be us. Right. That we could be there and, you know, our coworkers aren't going to just, with our bodies, you know, from one place to the next. They're going to take care and treat them as if they were family. 
Because, you know, we are. As funeral directors, we become a part of your family for, for the week or the two weeks that you are waiting for your loved one's remains to return or waiting for, you know, to bury your loved one. We become your family because we hear your stories. We hear your gossip that you don't think we hear. We hear mm-hmm. everything. We hear everything. I don't, I don't like fighting families. Um, I, don't, I don't encourage it. I love it when people get along. Those are the families that are always the nicest. And even the families that fight can be nice. But they're too worried about what Cousin Jim's getting rather than what they're, they should be saying goodbye to their loved one. You know, it's like death brings out the meanest, rudest, ruthless, money-hungry people that you will never speak to again. But now that someone died, they'll come, show their face, and then leave again seen it so many times it's so annoying oh my god Timmy's here well damn I ain't seen Timmy I ain't seen Timmy in 10 years he ain't come and seen his mama and he's coming here now oh lord you know it's gonna be a fight up in here good lord good lord and they'll all sit down and he'll come sit with everybody like he's he's head honcho and then he'll get up and he'll say a 10-minute speech about the woman that he ain't seen in 10 years. And she don't even like green eggs and ham anymore. She likes mustard and mayonnaise. You know, it's like, like what the hell are you talking about? And then they'll leave. But they caused so much drama while they were there because that's what they needed. <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's two pieces of advice from Candace to you, our listeners. I'll leave you with two. The first one is if you are past the age of 45 and you haven't done prearrangements for yourself, do it. It locks in the cost. The cost never goes up. And you know what you want. And your family knows what, they, what you want. And you just have to tell them. I 100% encourage that. 100%. Never let a day go by that you don't tell your loved ones that you love them. Always make sure you do that. When I was growing up, my father is a, I'm going to cuss, asshole. He can be an asshole. He is a cold-hearted, mean person. But when I was growing up, he made sure that he told me he loved me every single day. And that's what I tell everybody in my life. I make sure I tell them I love them every single day. Like I'm making my husband cry over here too. So. Oh. <laughs> okay, so how did you feel about that interview? Uh, I thought it was very informative. And... I was glad that we got to ask somebody in the funeral business those questions because yes, <laughs> I feel like, well, I, I don't want to make any assumptions, but if I went to a funeral director around here and I was like, do you want to be on my podcast? Da, 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 they'd be like, get away from me. Yeah. I feel like that. I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Candace was really kind to come on our podcast. She is a mom. 
Hawaii. Very busy. She yeah, she's <laughs> one of three employees. Yeah, so a whole funeral home. She's constantly on call. Um oh, yes. It was so it was so exciting to revisit that audio because we did record it on 9-11. Um because I kind of forgot. It's like when you order a bunch of stuff online yes. and you get it and you're like, oh, <laughs> I forgot what I ordered. Um, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed it. I really don't have much to say besides mm-hmm. the fact that um, I st- still am afraid of d- dead people. And this didn't change anything. <laughs> but it made me understand why. And I feel like this is something that is helpful for people. And, okay, this is one of those things that would come up on your For You page on TikTok. And mm-hmm. you you would want to scroll past, but you don't want to. Like, yeah. <laughs> you want to know these things. Yeah. Morbid curiosity, what can I say? Um, but if you want more episodes like this, you guys know you can let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it. I love interviewing. Me too. This is our second interview. Yes. We're kind of famous. <laughs> um, I think I, it's not the end of the year yet, so we're not going to get sappy because we'll save that for December. But it's been a really good year with you guys. Mm-hmm. Amber and I are constantly shocked at the things that develop with our podcast. We're so lucky um, to be physically able mentally able uh to do this yes we love to see the comments messages Mm -hmm. yes um if you see us out we love to hear it but we will probably be very awkward because we're just awkward people (laughs) yes people approach me in person and i'm like we don't know what to say because we're literally speechless like that people actually listen to this i can't ever believe it (laughs) i know i know i'm oh it's like i know that people listen but then when it's Uh, when i'm faced with it i'm like what are you talking about i know that means that every mistake we've ever had on the podcast has been listened to i know (laughs) and um (laughs) i don't know it's just so crazy we thank you guys so much for like bringing us to this point this is our 36th official episode we've had a couple bonus episodes uh we can't wait to see where it takes us yes um we're not millionaires by any means but this is like one of the most fulfilling things we've ever done Mm -hmm. um so thank you candace for coming on our show Yes, thank you so much we really appreciate it and um yeah that's all i have and we will talk to you guys later Bye. bye You can find Crime Cafe on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Crime Cafe Pod. And you can email us case suggestions at crimecafepod at yahoo.com. Click our merch link below if you want to get some Crime Cafe shirts, decals, or coffee mugs. We also have a Goodreads profile in the show notes below. There you will find all of the books that we have mentioned or recommend on our show. It's free and no membership is required to see our library. This episode and all of our episodes are researched, recorded, and edited by us, Corey and Amber. 
All of our opinions are our own. Although we try to make these episodes as accurate as possible, some statements may be inaccurate.